0: great uh set today man i just felt the presence of god here we we pray and uh, sing about the father i do have a, a message today it's not a father's day message uh i look around the auditorium here and i know certain people watching online and i see good good fathers i see like i see good good fathers and uh I was crying this week when I was telling when I was telling Janie you gotta pray for me. I was crying this week when I was telling Janie about the, the message and she said, Oh, you're so like you're so emotional, man. I just I just you love God so much and, and I said that it's really it's really not that. I just wanna beat up every bad father out there. <laughs> Mike Hager, that's me, man. I, I'm sorry. I just I wanna beat up the bad guys. Because the problem would be, oh, by the way, we're keeping the kids in today because it's the fifth week for, for small group, uh, the, the young people. But, but next week, for sure, we're going to have, we'll have the young people small group. The problem, and see, and God loves God loves even bad fathers. The problem with bad fathers is those people who grow up in homes where there's not a good father, they don't know how good God is. You know, they don't, if they don't know love, you it's a hard time expressing love to someone who doesn't know love, who has never felt love. It's a hard time expressing what a good father looks like for someone who's never had a good father. Are you with me? Does that make sense? And so I, I was crying, literally crying, weeping, uh, because I just, want, I just wanted to pound a couple guys. That should be the father. That aren't the fathers that they should be. And, and I and I and and Janie reminded me that you know they still have good examples out there of people, you know, uh, kids, young people who who need that father figure in their life. And then the Lord obviously reminded me that He would be a father to the fathers. There's not a better father than Father God. Can you give, give him a shout of praise because He is the best father. Uh, I had a great father growing up. Janie had a great father growing up. Still a good father today. He's still alive. He, he's just a he's a hoot. And my dad was good. My dad was hardcore, but my dad was good. He was faithful. He was loyal. He was honest. He was a person of his word. Grew up in a hard time in America. Grew up in the Depression. Fought in World War II. I mean, just all that whole generation. And uh, loved him dearly. Just loved him, loved him dearly for what I saw him as a man. Loved my father and loved dearly for what I see in him as a man, as a spiritual leader and a guide. And and the love the fathers here that I see, that I'm looking at today. Love you. Love you. Love you, men of God. Thank you for being the example. And again, this is not a, a Father's Day message, but this is a message about the Father who is the father of the day. He is He is God Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. And Paul, in the fourth chapter of Galatians, is telling us and showing us what it means uh, for us to have a good, good father, an Abba father, a daddy. And that's important for us to know because, first of all, there are some in a generation that don't know what a good father looks like. So we have to, we have to be that good father to them. There are some that that understand that, well, maybe, they understand a good father, but they don't have this personal relationship with God that that he can like in some denominations, sometimes God is like in a far, far, far away place and we don't have access to him. But Jesus took care of all that when he died on the cross for us and became uh, resurrected. And so it's important for us as a body of believers to uh, hang in there And show people uh, both in the church world and outside the church world on what a good father looks like by acting like a good believer, a strong Christ follower, by not having divisions. And Paul is teaching this to the church uh, of Galatia. The uh, Jews are saying no. The the non-Jews can't be a part of the church, and the and the non-Jews are maybe a little bit hurt, maybe a little bit offended, and maybe you've been in that spot, like you've not been readily accepted, or you've not been, or you maybe you've been hurt by a a church group people before that maybe in their heart meant well, but their presentation wasn't very good, and maybe came across somewhat legalistic. Well, Paul's in this diaphragm, and so he's he's talking then to the non-Jews, but he's trying to incorporate the Jews because he's not really against the Jews because he is a Jew. So he's, he's wanting to say, wait a second, time out. And I think in, a, in part, that's the church world today. It's like, are you, you know, this wing? Are you that wing? Are you this or that? Or how, how do you walk through these things? And, and I think we have to call time out and rise above it in the church world. We have to say, wait a second. Um, listen, there's one king I I worship, and his, that's King Jesus, okay? there's There is only one God, and that's God the Father who sent his son. And you say, Pastor what's your core belief? It's John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes on him shall not perish but have everlasting life. That Jesus came into the world not to condemn the world, but that through him the world might be saved. Amen? John uh, 3, 16 and 17. So we're going to read Galatians and now theologians will tell us in some of Paul's writings, you need to read it almost backwards, okay? Uh, you need to read from the bottom to the top because he always, not he sometimes makes his point first and then he goes to, it's like when Janie tells a joke, sometimes she'll give the punchline and then she gives the joke. She doesn't mean it that way, just sometimes it comes out that way. And so by her own admission, she's the worst joke teller ever. Well, Paul, he he wants so bad to give to give the uh, the, the punchline. He does it first, and then he tells you why. So we're going to read Galatians 4 and 17, and then we're going to read Galatians 4, 4 through 7. Those heretical teachers go to great lengths to flatter you, but their motives are rotten or not pure. They want to shut you out of the free world or free gospel of of God's grace, so that you will always depend on them. For approval and direction, making them feel important. They call it sometimes in the medical field, they call it the God complex. A surgeon might have a God complex where uh, he or she uh, has to be the one that is the Savior. I'm going to heal that person. I'm going to take care of that person. And undoubtedly, there are pastors, priests, clergy, ministers, preachers, evangelists that have a God complex. I said it can't be, so then it can't be. I think we have to be careful that we walk humbly before the Lord. Can you say amen? That would be true with all of us. If you have a neighbor that you're trying to reach, it's better to reach them with love And Solomon said, better to reach them with sweetness and honey than it would be something bitter and sour. If you continue to tell them what they can't do, they're going to wonder why they should do anything at all, including receiving Christ as Lord and Savior. So it's better to talk about the Father's love. It's better to talk about how good God is, because God is a good, good God and a good, good Father. In fact, all the time. In fact, you can't say a better word for God than God is good. God is just totally good all the time, and God is good. We say that all the time, but why? Because God is so good. God is easy to say God is good because he is good, but one, sometimes we don't present God in the right way. And this is what the Jews were doing. They, were, they loved God. They honored God, but they weren't presenting God in the right way. They were presenting God in a highly legalistic, traditional form and fashion. And God is above tradition. God is above form and fashion. God is about the heart. Do you love God? Are you a Christ follower? You're part of the team. Amen. That's it. Now, there will be some things we talk about in two weeks that might tweak a few of you the wrong way. And I told the first service that everybody at some point in time will be mad at me on September the 12th. So you want to come, just get mad at me, come. And hopefully everybody will love me before the service and somebody will love me after the service and hopefully you'll love me all the time. But I'm going I'm to a, teach a message that probably will tweak every person just a little bit. How's that? Aren't you excited for September 12th? Come on, I'm not. (laughs) I'm the one taking the bullets or the tomatoes. Please leave your guns at home. (laughs) So Paul is in this diaphragm of, wait a second, what's going to go on? What's going to take place? So that's that's where he's at at verse 17. Now let's go back to verse 4 through 7. You can tell for sure that you are now fully adopted as his own children because God sent the spirit of his son into our lives, crying out, Papa or Abba, Daddy, Father. Doesn't that privilege of intimate conversation with God make it plain that you are not a slave, but a child? And if you are a child, you are also an heir with complete access to inheritance, I think we got more. But when the time arrived that was set by God the Father, God sent his Son, born among us of woman, born under the conditions of the law, so that he might redeem those of us who have been kidnapped by the law. Thus, we have been set free. Everybody say free. Free. We have been set free to experience our rightful heritage. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you, Lord, for your interpretation of truth. Lord, that you spread it among us. And we pray, Lord, today that we would open our hearts to realize what a good, good father you are. And, Lord, how much love that you have for each of us. And how much, uh, Lord, you share that love. And how you would love your church to share that love with other people. Lord, that in that realm, that week two can show others what it means to, to be a good father. Lord, to to be examples of Christ. In Jesus' name we pray, and the church said, amen. So, you know, I, I look around the room. Like I said, I see good fathers. I could, I could call you out. I, uh, people that we maybe go out to eat with, they talk about their kids. and They talk about their families. And they talk about, and, and, you know, uh, we're, uh, Janie and I are, are family people. We, we love each of our families. We totally love our, 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 our siblings, our parents. We absolutely adore our kids. And our, our grandkids are off the charts, just like many of yours are, you know. It's like uh, you, you think highly of your grandkids, and you should. You think highly of your kids, and you should. And if you're not married yet, uh, you think highly of your siblings, you should. You think highly of your parents, you should. I want to give you some traits of what it's like to be a good father. These would be traits that maybe we would see in certain people, but we read in scriptures. And why is that? Because we see things physically, and then we kind of compare them spiritually, because we're not, we don't have full access to the spiritual world. In other words, the Bible says the spiritual world was here before the physical realm. It existed before, so therefore it's actually more real than the physical realm, okay? But we compare things spiritually to our physical counterparts, because we don't know the spiritual realm that we walk in uh, in totality. We see through a, a glass darkly, but there'll be a day where we see in the fullness and it'll make sense. It'll be like, oh wow, man, that makes sense. Now I understand what this whole thing was like. So, that being said, we may look at traits in a person, a father especially, since we're talking about fathers today, we may look at a trait in a person and say, wow, God, that—that that is how I understand God. Now, the flip side of that and the bad side is what I spoke about a minute ago, the problem if someone has a bad father, a bad experience, a bad husband, uh, kids have, you know, poor poor. Whatever uh, experiences, then we got to make sure that they don't relate that to our Heavenly Father because God is unconditionally, He loves every person right here, loves every person watching, loves every person. He can't love per- someone more than another person. Amen? And even though we sometimes uh, maybe Think our good actions cause God to love us more? That's not true. He's just there for our bad actions and redemption's sake. Okay, so I'm gonna give you three three traits that we'll walk through that a good father does for his kids. The first one is he they bear his name. All right, you bear the the be, you bear the name of a of a good father. And so uh, the Bible says in Revelations the second chapter in the seventeenth verse that when us those who are in Christ, those who are Christ's followers, you love God. All right, you've accepted Christ and the work He's done on the cross uh, and the fact that He's redeemed you. When you get to heaven, you're going to be given a stone, and that stone's going to have a new name on it. So, God has presented or will present to you uh, a new name. That's where we used to get the song, There's a new name written down in glory, and it's mine. You receive Christ, uh, there's a name for you, you write that name's written down, and now that name is presented to you. But we bear the name of the Father, okay? uh, we, I did a, a short ancestral search uh, on our name a few months ago, my name. Uh, in the back in the 1910s, uh, there was one dolphin, D-O-L-P-H-E-N-S, in America. His name was Arthur, and that was my grandfather. That was my father's dad, and he had two sisters that came over uh, on the boat. They were all escape, escaping uh, Europe. Uh, Because of World War One. And so I I can't imagine that. Uh, I have a, a heart. Uh, for immigrants. I have a heart for people that are escaping countries. And uh, Marcus pointed out, uh, Papa, there's no record of them at Ellis Island. So I think maybe, I don't know how they got in, uh, but there, there, was no, there was no record. I'm assuming they got in the right way. I hope so and pray so. So forgive me if you, uh, if you are looking at a second generation U.S. citizen who doesn't belong here, but I'm glad I'm here. I'm glad Arthur made it over as he was escaping a war, Uh, and Arthur was the only son of his parents, but his dad had a brother, and so there are some dolphins, D-L-P-H-E-N-S, in France and Belgium that are related to uh, our family, but anybody that spells their name the way I spell my name is directly related to me in this country. And it all comes through Arthur. We all bear his name. Arthur had one boy. His name was Frank. That's my dad. And then my dad had six boys. And so I, he really kept the line going on. Are you with me? And then, and that's a good thing because I'm the youngest of eight, and so I'm glad he didn't stop at seven. Just saying. Uh, so, but... You bear the name. Now, if you think of or watch any documentaries about royalty, or you watch maybe some of these shows about royalty, uh, many of them are historically correct. And the big thing about the shows or about royalty is they want to name an heir. They want to, and in order to be named an heir, you have to be a son. You have to be a a biological son, okay? And so uh, the reason I say that and bring it out is because we try to be gender-specific in the world today, and maybe we get a little carried away with it, I don't know, or sometimes we try to be gender-neutral, and I've been at fault in some ways, uh, quoting John 1 and 12, where Jesus says, as many as received Him, being Him, then uh, uh, they are called the sons of God. And I would also put in there sometimes, they are, they are called the sons and daughters of God. Well, that's really a misrepresentation uh, rep- of Scripture. We should leave the term daughters out. Now, before you mad at me, half the crowd here, uh, who are daughters uh, at one point in time. Uh, We're not talking about that in that realm. You have to know the complexity of Scripture, and the complexity of Scripture goes like this, because He includes all of us, men and women, boys and girls, male and female, as sons of God, that makes us rightful heirs of God. And there's a huge difference there. If you say, I'm not a son of God, I'm a daughter of God, you're saying, I don't want to be a rightful heir. Because in the royalty, they would name an heir. In effect, Jesus is saying, if you follow me, you're all heirs of what my father has for you. Now, that should make us jump and shout. Because everything that God has, we have at our disposal. God is that good. This is a good father. He get, not only gives us his name, but he bears us as heirs, okay? And then if you watch in royalty, and this happened even with Jesus, is another king will come in, and in order to, and this this happened, in fact, in David's day, David looked in the land and said, hey, is there anybody left in Jonathan's kingdom? There was a slave, a servant, not a slave, a servant, that said there is one left, his name is Mephibosheth, He is lame from the waist down. David said, go get him. Didn't say what he wanted with him. And so uh, the servant went and got Mephibosheth and says, the king wants to see you. Well, here's what happened. When a new king took over, they would kill everybody else in the previous kingdom's house because they wanted no living heir because there was not a rightful place to the throne. So Mephibosheth came, and he thought he was going to die, because he was the only living heir of Jonathan's house, and David said, whatever I have, you can have. We're going to restore all of your father's land, all of your father's servants, they're yours, and you'll always have a place at my table. This is a picture of what God does for you when you become a Christ follower. He makes a place at his table for you. He gives you his name, and he makes you a rightful heir. Now, what Satan thought he was doing when he crucified Christ, although Christ did not willingly he thought he was killing the heir to the kingdom but what happened on the third day Jesus rose he resurrected so that you and I could be free and free indeed so he played, right into, he played right into their hands, and he did what he thought he was doing on his own power, but it was Jesus saying, no, I willingly go. It's a powerful sense, but you bear and you get the name of your father, a good, good father. And if your father has a bad name, you have the name of a good, good, good father up in heaven, Jesus Christ and God Almighty. Amen. So let's go to number two. The second one is you're always welcome in his house. We have a a picnic table at our house. That's really not a picnic table. It's a monstrosity. It seats like 14 people. It's heavy, so heavy it took four or five guys uh, to to bring it into the house. And it's one that Janie designed. And a person in church built the table, and uh, they wanted to make two tables. Let's put it down the middle so that we could bring it in in parts. Uh, And Janie said, no, because wherever that divide is, someone's going to feel like, well, I'm on this side or that side. It's got to be continuous. It's got to be these dimensions. It's got to be, it's got to look like this and feel like this and act like this. And, and uh, when he got it all done uh, and brought it on the, the trailer, I'd never seen something so big my whole life. But she wanted to fit 14 people around it because that's the size of our family. And it fits, it fits at least 14 people around there. And so on Sundays, we have everybody that is, lives in this town, or if our daughter's in from Omaha, we have everybody over to the house. And then sometimes we'll have them on Saturday to watch a, a ball game, which we're probably going to stop doing after, after yesterday's game, uh, which our team didn't do so well. But that's neither here nor there. We're praying for them, and so far our prayers have not been answered. But... A faithful prayer of a righteous man avails much. And so we're going to continue to pray. So we'll have them over on Saturday during football season. We'll have them over on Sunday, and if it's a holiday like it will be next week, we'll have them on Monday, and we're blessed to have a pool, and so they'll hang out at the pool, or they'll sit around the big table or the big dining table if it's hot. We want the kids over to the house. This is what God wants for you. He wants you in his home. This is why it's important that we come to church on Sundays because not that this is a house, but it somewhat resembles the Father's house where we can all gather together from different walks of life, different maybe sometimes views of life, maybe young or old or rich or poor or, or white or black or brown or whatever it looks like, that God, we come into God's house together and we worship Him together as a family. That's important to know because then it makes a statement to local people who maybe aren't uh, in a church or those that maybe were more religious in their tradition or legalized in their following of what church should look like, that this should be the family of God. We should be coming from all walks of life. That God loves everybody and everybody is welcome in the house. So Janie will plan meals. And when I say plan meals, she sometimes we go to three different stores to get the things that she needs for that specific meal. And then sometimes I go back to the store once or twice to get something else that a recipe called for. It's plan. God has a plan and a purpose for your life. God plans and purposes things for you. He wants you around the table. He wants you in his house. A good father always welcomes their children home one of the greatest verses in scripture that I've read is about the prodigal son and it's not even about welcoming the son back although the father where he's it he's on the front porch he's looking out where is that son I know he's coming back he's looking different ways where is that son I know he's coming back the the son in the house is a little bit mad he's a little bit messed up it's like wait a second why are you so excited about him coming there he is let's throw a party he has a big party for him and, and the the other sons that was there the whole time, he's a little angry, and sometimes this is the church. We're a little bit mad when somebody comes in and gives their heart to the Lord because they they still smell a little bit. They still have a little stench of sin on them. They still smell a little bit from the hog pen, and and we forget how bad we smell or smelled. Father turns to the son and he says, "This, get this, church. If you don't get anything else today, get this. He said, what I have has always been yours. That's the father's house. What God has has always been yours. All you have to do is ask for it or worship. And we don't worship and praise God for what we get. We worship and praise God for what he's already given, and that's his son, Jesus Christ. But you are welcome in some houses maybe you've not been welcome in. Some churches maybe you've not been welcome in. Some establishments maybe you've not been welcome in. Can I tell you that? You are always welcome in the Father's house. It's It's a big, big house. It's a a beautiful house. And and if you look again at royalty, and imagine this to be the father's house, they weren't in little villas or cubbies or different places. It was a castle. And the castle was built in a square, okay? And inside the walls of the castle were apartments. So Jesus said, in my father's house are many mansions, but the true interpretation is, in my father's house there's many rooms. There's a room for you. There's a place at the table for you, and there would be the big outer court where they would do their their. Uh fruit market, or farmer's market, or sell their eggs, or or sell their goats, and then there would be an inner court where the king would sit, and they would bow, and this is why when we come into church, we're in the father's house, figuratively speaking, and it's okay to raise our hands, it's okay to bow down, it's okay to cry a little bit, laugh a little bit, it's okay to shout a little bit, it's okay. Marcus Instagrams for us, so I always have to be careful when I shout, because Janie will say, did you hear yourself singing on that Instagram? I said, is that what that noise was? Dear Lord, I, so every time he puts his phone up, I, I do the whole lip sync thing. But I, like, I'm a shouter. I wanna, do, I wanna sing, and I know I'm so off key. It's not even funny. I know my my voice is really awkward and weird, but my heart is all in. Amen. And maybe your heart is all in, and the people around you're like, "Dear Lord, I wish they wouldn't sing." You go right ahead and make a joyful noise unto the Lord the worship team took a picture this morning and I said, where do I stand? And Janie says, you stand right there. We need you right where you belong. <laughs> you are always welcome in this house at Grace Church. And listen, we may not always get along or understand everything together. You, may, you, may, you might buy it just a little differently than I buy it. And we're gonna go through some things on, on September the 12th. I'm just giving you a heads up. We're going to walk through some things together, but we're going to do it together because that's what families do, amen? That's that's how we're welcome in the Father's house. But your past should not haunt you. Your, your, your past and, and people in your past should not haunt you. And things that you've done should not haunt you. God has opened his house wide. So in that castle, there's rooms all the way around there. There's apartments. And that's what, and that's what God, uh, Jesus is saying. In my Father's house are many mansions or many rooms. And I'm going to go prepare a place for you. And every other person who, who follows Jesus, I'm going to prepare a place for them. And just like the, the prodigal who, who is welcome to come home like in Matthew, the 6th chapter, verses 9 through 13, Jesus is teaching them how to pray. Now, this is, the, this is the king of kings. This is the only begotten son of God. So hear me on this one, because if, if it's most of us, we're going to say, my father. But no, he does one really critical, cool thing. Is he says, here, when you're going to pray, pray this way. Pray, our father, our father. He automatically incorporates us Into his kingdom. He automatically incorporates people who maybe civilization or the world or society would neglect because they don't look right, they don't act right, they don't feel right, they don't make enough money, they don't do all those things. He says, You pray this way pray, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And you know the names we talk about, Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah and New, Jehovah Mkadesh, and we got people that love when I do the Jewish names. We got people that say, I don't understand the Jewish names, Pastor. Well, he, he's our righteousness. He's our sanctifier. He's our peace, okay? He's our, he's our provider. He's our shepherd. He, he's present when we need him. He's our healer, okay? He's, he's all those things for us. And when we say, we cry out, our father, we're saying not only my father, but your father too. He's our father together. And we recognize that we have a heavenly father who's invited us into his house. And like we sing it in the song, and there's a place for us. Because sometimes, let's face it, if we knocked on the doors of the White House today, they probably aren't going to let us in we knocked on different uh, Capitol buildings today, they're not going to let us in. If we went to the governor's mansion, they probably wouldn't let us in. But you knock on the door of Jesus today and he will let you in. Because he said, behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if you'll open, I will let you in. That's a good, good father. And a good father, an earthly father, he opens his door to his sons and daughters, no matter what they look like, act like, or what they've been into. Come on in, son. Come on in, daughter. And then number three, last but not least, you gain his inheritance. And this, we read this in Scripture about the heritage and inheritance and heir. There's an inheritance. I read a book years ago when our oldest grandson was just born about just investing and and giving and doing those things and and the. Uh, you know, you, you try to do your best. Solomon said a, a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. Now, I don't know if that's supposed to skip a generation and, and go on to the, the grandbabies or if it's supposed to, you know, go through the kids. I'm not sure. Uh, there probably ain't going to be a whole lot for our kids to worry about in Divya. But, but I started then, I read an article in the book and talked about giving $3 a week uh, to your children or to your grandchildren, put it into a, an investment account, put it into a, uh, uh, you know, a, a, like a mutual fund or something. And so we started doing that with the grandbabies. And every year on their birthday, I write a check for $156 and I put it into a, a card and they put it, the parents put it into an investment account and, and Janie goes out and buys the kids all kinds of gifts. And so on their birthday, Janie's the hero because kids like presents. But with the parents, I'm the hero, because they wanted to invest the money, and so it's like uh, Jane, they tell 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 Ma, uh, Grammy, uh, uh, thank you for all the gifts, and Janie loves to buy presents. So tell Grammy thank you, oh, thank you, Grammy. Now tell Poppy thank you, and they're like, why? <laughs> and the parents are like, you'll know in 20 years. Because that $3 a week by the time they're 62 is worth $1.2 million, church. Let me tell you how God operates in just incremental pieces. You don't have to get all of God. In fact, you can't get all of God. Just get them piece by piece, get them day by day, get them little by little. Just grow. If you're reading a verse, then read a couple verses. Then read a chapter. Then maybe read a couple chapters. Go back to just reading a verse. Let God sink into you. But if you invest $3 a week into your child or grandchild and you put that away just in a mutual fund with simple 8% interest, and yes, they'll bear 8% over 20 or 30 or 40 years, when they are 62 years old, they will have $1.2 million in the bank. The math, it works out. So at $3 a week. And so I'm a hero just by investing $3 a week to the parents. Janie's a hero because she spends way more than on on toys and that. And I say, honey, why don't we just invest that for? That's no fun. (laughs) That's no fun. No, it's not fun. But see, here's what I'm saying, that if we have an inheritance, listen, God has given you an inheritance, not only up in heaven, but here on earth. Paul said, "I has not seen, nor has ear heard, nor has entered into the heart of man those things which God has prepared for you. You have an inheritance on the other side that you can't, like, just imagine for a moment, one of the prettiest places you've ever been. Maybe it's a, a beach somewhere. Or maybe it's a hotel somewhere. Or maybe it's a mountain or a ski resort. So the first service, maybe it's in the inside of a a Lamborghini or or some car. Maybe just just think the, the prettiest place you've ever been times that by a million and that's what you have heaven. Times that by just astronomical amount of numbers, and that's what heaven's gonna be. God is planning something for you, and you get to inherit that. But not only do you inherit that then, but here's some of the things you inherit right now. You have living hope, the Bible says. So if someone says it's a hopeless situation, you say, uh uh-uh. uh, Janie sings a song, No Devil Not Today, because I'm gonna believe what God tells me. I'm going to believe what the Word of God tells me. I'm going to believe what Jesus has to say about my life, not what you have to say about my life, because I've got hope now. And then then you have adoring love, unconditional love from a father that says, I love you so much, I'm sending my son. And let's face it, most people are conditional. They're going to love you if you love them back. They're going to to hang out with you if you if you can hang out with them and you have mutual. But the person that nobody loves, who's loving on them? person that, that does, can't love you back. Jesus loves everybody the same way. Can you say amen? Continual mercy. And mercies are new every morning. Well, the, the space, not the, what is that space thing? Not the space, say it one more time. Yeah, the International Space Station rotates opposite of the, of the earth. And so the earth rotates maybe this way, it goes around this way, opposite. And so it can do that, it can rotate around the earth in 90 minutes based on the way the earth is rotating because they're going counterclockwise. Now hear this for a second. So they see a sunrise every 90 minutes, they, 16 times a day they see the sunrise, so if you look at it in that perspective, you get new mercies every 90 minutes. Just mer- Mercies are new every morning. Mercies are new every sunrise. Mercies are continual. Your inheritance on this earth is that God has mercy for you that he'll just keep throwing out. The one thing he does ask is to obtain mercy, you need to show a little mercy in your life. You need to give just a little mercy here or there. Forgiveness is, is an inheritance, a language of praise and worship. When we come into the house of God and we're like, totally jacked up. I had a I drink beans on Sunday morning. Bing is a all-natural drink. So those who, you know, all natural. And it's got probably a little too much caffeine. At least the one I had was laced with something. And it was a gold one. And I drank it. And Janie said, what has gotten into you? I said, I don't know. I had a gold bean, And it just, it lit me up. And then we went through the coffee shop. And I got a really large coffee. And she was like, you don't need a coffee. Because I, I actually missed the drive-through twice. <laughs> I go there three times a week. I missed the drive to twice. I said, what's gotten into me? She said, I don't know. Don't get a coffee. I got a coffee. I'm lit up. I'm ready to go. And that was like four hours ago. That's heaven. That's heaven. Well, (laughs) heaven will light you up. We need T-shirts I say heaven will light you up. I'm not saying you got to drink a bing to get to heaven. (laughs) You do have to accept Jesus to get there. But... (laughs) Kind of lost my my spot, but when we come in and praise and worship, there's so much God has just so much good for you. Are you with me? It's like it hasn't worn off. I'm gonna be lit up all afternoon. This is gonna be great. When your inheritance is angels are watching over you, and then Jesus said this: You will never thirst again if you drink from that living water. You will never ever thirst again. Come on, back worship team. So in closing. Here's what, here's what we want to look at. And here's why we want to look at it. When you receive what Jesus has for you and the opportunity that he's given you to not only walk with him, to receive the work that he's done, is that his good, 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 good father, the one that Paul says we can call Papa or Abba Father, Daddy, he opens his arms wide for you. He gives you a new name his name. He opens his house for you. And then he has an inheritance for you. Stand with me this morning, right where you're at. And maybe just for a moment, if you would, just kind of bow your head and close your eyes. And those who are watching online, or maybe you're watching online even through this week, this is applicable to you too. I want you to know that even if you haven't had a good example of a good father, God is such a great father for you. And He loves you so absolutely so much that He sent His most precious gift, Jesus Christ, to die for you. So, with every head bowed and eye I closed, I want you—I just want you—to answer in your heart for a moment. If God feels far away from you today, I want to pray with you. Just raise your hand, right up, and right back down. Thank you for that. Jesus Christ the righteous, the Bible says, that he allows us. Paul said that Jesus sits in the power position, the right hand of God, but that we too then join him in that heavenly seat, that we can can sit with God, we can sit with Jesus, not because of our own goodness, but because of the goodness of the Father. And so I want to tell you this, those of you that raised your hand, we're going to pray a prayer in just a moment, and I just want you to, to pray along. But we're going to pray. And I want you just to know this, that you are loved by God. You are loved by the Father. And there's nothing that you could do that is so bad if you'll just say, Father, would you just release me of my sin? Father, would you forgive me of my sin? Father, would you draw me back that I can feel the love of God? Father, I pray for those today that raise their hands, those that are watching online, raising their heart to you. I pray, Lord, would you receive them? Would you, Lord, let them know Lord, how good of a father you are and how much love, Lord, that you have for them. How proud you are of them, Lord, to, to accept you, the work that your son did. And Lord, you've, you've saved them a seat around the table. You've saved them a place in your home. You've given them a new name, Father. Now, we know, Lord, there's things in our lives we've got to clean up and we've got we to straighten up. But right here and right now, you're only concerned about that one thing, and that's our heart. Lord, those hearts that were raised to you today, I pray, Lord, that you'd show them your love, show them your grace, erase their mistakes, their sins, their failures, their flaws, and let them know exactly who you are and the love of a good, good father. We bless you today. We thank you in Jesus' name. Let's sing more song. God bless you today.
1: to turn around and come back to the father. And as he was preparing to speak to his father, he said, you know what? I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. And before he could even open his mouth to finish his sentence, the father said, stop. You know, you're not, you were never worthy to be my son because sonship is not based on worth. Sonship is based on birth. And when you have been born again, you have become joint heirs with Christ. And it has nothing to do with your worth or how good you are or how perfect you can try to be. It has everything to do with how good Jesus Christ is and the perfect person that He was and the sacrifice that He paid for us. And so, as a father, when I looked at my children and I helped teach them how to walk, I didn't get upset with them when they stumbled and when they fell, I just helped them get back up and continue on walking. And Jesus Christ, God the Father, when he looks at us, we fall and we think, you know what? I'm not worthy to be your son. I'm not worthy to be your daughter. I'm not worthy to be your heir because I've messed up, because I have sinned, because I've made myself far from you. And God says it's not about your worth. It's about your birth. It's about because you were born again. Come on, son. Come on, daughter. Just get up. I'm going to help you. Sure, God is sad. Sure, God wants you to do the right thing. He wants you to make right decisions. But he is not back there waiting for you to mess up so that he can judge you. If you heard one thing today, I hope, I hope that you heard that God is love. That he loves you and he cares for you. And for the person here today that's struggling with your worth, you are struggling with your value. Because you know that you're not perfect. Well, I'm glad that you know that you're not perfect. You're in good company, but I want you to know that it doesn't have anything to do with how much God loves you. He loved the son in the story of the prodigal, and He loved the son that stayed home as much as He loved the son that ran away. And we rejoice with every person that's in that house today. So let's close in prayer and let's just thank God for being such a good Father that reminder, that powerful reminder that we have a good, good Father. Amen. Father, we thank you for your love. We thank you that you are good and that your mercy endures forever. And we thank you that we are worthy to be called sons and daughters, that we are worthy to be called sons of God and joint heirs with Christ. Lord, that you have given us the keys to the kingdom. You have given us a whole heaven, if only we are joint heirs with Christ and children of God, Lord, if we are born again. And so, Lord, today we surrender our lives to you. We thank you that you have adopted us into your family, and we can call you Father. We can call you Abba. We can call you Papa or Daddy, Lord, that we have an intimate relationship with you. Thank you for the reminder of that today. God, I pray that you would go with us today. Lord, we love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. God bless you. We love you. We'll see you next Sunday at 10 a.m. for Baptism Sunday.
2: Thank you for joining us for today's service. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by investing today. You can give at www.gracechurch.tv give or by downloading the app and select give. We can't wait to see you next week.